offered us the 17th chapter and verse number 15. Now, last Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday, and some of y'all sat in front of the TV for three hours plus. And so I didn't know hurry to preach today, so you never, I hope you bought a sandwich or something with you, but I'm not in no, I'm not in no hurry, amen. I'm not in no hurry to preach here today because I believe the word, the Lord has a word for somebody. There in the 17th chapter, verse number 15, it says, And Moses built an altar. Take your seats. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. And he built an altar and called it Jehovah Nisi. I want to talk to you all today from, if I have to have a subject matter, I want to talk to you about the altar of victory. The altar of victory. And Moses built an altar. Now keep your Bibles open because this 17th chapter of the book of Exodus is a very interesting uh, chapter. Oftentimes I tell you all that uh, don't just read one or two verses. You have to read chapters in order to fully understand uh, what God is trying to say. And so when you look at this 17th chapter, especially beginning down at verse number 8 all the way down to verse number 16, once again the Israelites uh, have encountered another trial. No sooner is one trial over, uh, which, of course, in this 17th chapter was the shortage of water. Then now they have uh, another trial, and that's uh, the strife with Amalek. It uh, presents itself to the children of Israel. And I stop out here to tell somebody that life is that way. Even God's people must experience a number of trials. And they often pile up one upon another quickly. It just seems like when you get over one thing, something else is happening. But I need you to understand that trials are not without profit because they can strengthen our faith and they help us grow spiritually if we react to the trial properly. While the trials are for the Israelites, they have varied. I believe last uh, Sunday I spoke about their Red Sea experience. And then in this 17th chapter, verse, looking at verse number one, they have a water shortage. But you need to understand that uh, up until this point, the trials that the Israelites had experienced, uh, uh, the reaction of the Israelites did not vary. If they just, it was just a bad reaction. They had a bad attitude uh, through everything that they had to go through. But in this trial, in this trial, uh, uh, they're not recorded here mumbling and, uh, and grumbling against Moses and uh, about this trial. In fact, the Israelites, they meet this particular trial without a whimper, and uh, they perform... Uh, courageously. You have to understand that this was the fifth crisis of uh, Israel in uh, 
the wilderness. They had gone through a whole lot. You ought to just take the time to read it because it, it would really would amaze you. Uh, it wasn't over last Sunday because they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground and Pharaoh's army got drowned. You all got excited because I told you all that the same method and the same road that brings your deliverance will cause somebody else's uh, destruction. But you have to understand this was the fifth it was the fifth crisis in uh, uh, the wilderness. This particular one had to deal with warfare. It dealt with warfare, but it also teaches uh, us a very important lesson that there is victory through prevailing uh, pr prayer. You have to understand that the Amalekites, they had attacked Israel while they were encamped at Raphidim. And then somebody would ask, why would uh, the Amalekites attack Israel? Well, no doubt because they felt threatened. Don't you know anytime somebody feels threatened, uh, you might as well look for an attack. They were a desert people. They were a desert people who lived just south of the promised land uh, of Canaan. And they had obviously heard about Israel being freed from Egypt and of their march to Canaan and somewhere between uh, two or three million uh, of them. That was a lot of folk traveling uh, in the wilderness. You all see, I'm going to take my time, don't you? So just come on. Just, just, just follow me. It was two or three million uh, of them there in, uh, in the wilderness. And so to reach Canaan, this large mass uh, of the Israelites would have to march either through or close by the land uh, of the Amalekites. And so the leaders of the Amalekites had no idea what Israel's intention would be to pass by their land in peace or to attack and ransack them. Two, three million people. You don't know what's getting ready to take place. And so the attack was, uh, it was sudden. The Amalekites, they launched a surprised uh, attacked against uh, uh, Israel. And I need you to understand four things, four, four facts that need to be pointed out here today in regards to the attack of uh, uh, the Amalekites. First of all, the attack was most cruel and savage. It was a cruel uh, attack because it was launched first against the handicapped and uh, the helpless. It was it was launched against uh, the the stranglers, the sick, those uh, that was of age, those that had become uh, uh, weary. In other words, the ones who lagged behind uh, the main body of travelers. And so scripture says uh, that the Amalekites, they slaughtered uh, them all. And so the attack was very, it was very cruel. And then secondly, the attack was a surprise attack launched against uh, a mass of uh, civilians. It wasn't an attack against an army. It, it, it was just totally unprovoked and uncalled for. And so the leaders of the Amalekites, they should have sent emissaries out to investigate Israel's intentions and to seek 
peace. And so the launching of an army to begin uh, uh, killing and maiming and raping and uh, enslaving people, it was just disgraceful. And, and, and then third of all, the Amalekites were uh, set on totally exterminating and erasing the Israel from the face of the earth. They were driven by prejudice and bitter hatred against uh, the Israelites. The same bitter uh, prejudice held by many nations against uh, the Jews down through uh, the generations. David spoke of it in Psalms uh, 84. He said, they have said, come, let us cut them off from being uh, a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in uh, remembrance. And so it was cruel. That, uh, this sounds familiar, don't it? I'm not that far as I'm going to go with this. It, it kind of sounds familiar when you mess with Social Security and unemployment and health care. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it sounds uh, uh, familiar. You know, Scripture says there's nothing new under under the sun. And so it was uh, a terrible attack. And then fourth of all, uh, the Amalekites should have known that God uh, had promised the land of Canaan uh, to Israel. Now, 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 how would the Amalekites know? I'm going to preach the Bible, y'all. So uh, uh, how would they know? Well, simply because uh, uh, the Amalekites were the descendants of uh, of Esau, the twin brother of Jacob. And so God had given the promise uh, of the promised land to Jacob and uh, his descendants. And so Esau knew all uh, about the promise. In fact, uh, Amalek was the grandson of Esau, and his father Eliphaz was uh, the oldest son of Esau. And so Esau would certainly have shared this great promise of God with both his son and his grandson. And so, so, so don't miss it here. And so they knew, well, here is the point. Now I'm getting ready to help somebody because you probably didn't know this. The Amalekites, they were distant cousins of the Israelites. Don't let that go over your head. They were distant cousins. So in other words, uh, uh, Diane, you got family that's fighting. Uh-oh. Did y'all know family disputes didn't just start yesterday? Come on here. Uh, they were cutting and cutting the main, the weak, those that were restless, those that uh, was left behind. These were relatives. They were fighting uh, against their own uh, own relatives. It caused a great war. Well, can I help somebody? We've got to be very careful because the devil already knows that if he can destroy the family, he'll destroy the church. I'm going to say it again. If he can destroy the family and the devil doing everything that he possibly can to try uh, to, to destroy uh, families. Now, you have to understand that even Jesus says that in uh, in the last days, perilous times uh, will come. And how many of you all know we are living in uh, the last days? You can 
say what you will or may. Uh, time to stop playing with God. It's time to stop playing games uh, because only the strong is going to survive. We are living in the last uh, in the last days. Jesus says that mothers is going to be against their daughters and fathers against uh, their sons and vice versa. Don't get all nervous and confused and weary about what's going on. It's just a fulfillment uh, of the word of God. And so here cousins, distant cousins have started uh, a war with their relatives. And so here Moses being uh, the man of God. Moses appointed a commander to mobilize uh, an army to defend uh, Israel. And so he puts the young man uh, uh, Joshua as uh, the commander in chief. How many of y'all know he calls the young because uh, they are strong? And, and you know what? The devil know that. And that's why the devil got young folk acting like they old. Y'all ain't going to help me here. It was never a time when you 20 years old talking about you had arthritis and, and this, that, and my back hurt and my feet hurt and, and I'm just tired all the time. Somebody ought to shout, the devil is a liar. He calls the young. Why? Because, because they are strong. And so he puts Joshua as the commander of chief in order to mobilize an army to defend Israel. And so Moses said, now look, Joshua, I'm going to put you out there, but I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to seek God, I'm going to intercede for you and the rest of the soldiers. You have to understand Joshua was to fight and Moses was to pray. Oh, that's a whole nother message. I said, that's a whole nother message. That's a whole nother message that Joshua was to go fight. How many of y'all know that God had some fighters? Come on here. Somebody had to go out there and fight the battle and some Somebody had uh, had to pray. So can I please encourage y'all? It shouldn't be nobody sitting around doing nothing. Uh, I said it shouldn't be nobody sitting around doing nothing. Listen, if you're not going to help us fight, can you at least pray? Y'all ain't going to help me. Come on here. And if you're not going to pray can you at least start uh, fighting we got to fight this good fight of faith God had some that was fighting while others was up on the hill praying you see Moses promised to go to the top of of the highest hill surrounding uh, the battlefield to lift the rod of God appealing and calling out to God in prayer. Now you have to un it's, uh, it's all in the text. I'm just rushing through this part of it. Uh, but notice something. The rod of God was looked upon uh, as the banner of Israel. Now I got to say, and Moses built an altar and he called uh, the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Now you have to understand that that was one of the names of God. You know, you've heard of Jehovah Jireh. My God will provide you know, you come on, Jehovah Shalom, our peace. Uh, come on. Well, if you look back at that uh, a banner 
right there. It says Jehovah Nisi. And what Jehovah Nisi means is God our banner. And so notice the rod of Moses. Oh, thank you for your word, oh God. It, it was looked upon as a banner of Israel. And so consequently, when they saw the rod of God, their banner lifted high and they knew that God's servant was crying out to God. I stopped by here to tell somebody it ain't nothing like knowing that somebody's praying for you. Oh God, Sister Janice Acox at home on the bed of affliction. But every day she sent me a text and said, Pastor, I'm praying for you. And it makes me wonder in the midst of what she's going through, mm, she forgets about what she's going through to let her pastor know that pastor, I'm praying for you. How many of y'all know it goes a mighty, I'm going to feel like preaching in a minute. I just want to talk. I want to talk right through these spirits of y'all looking at me the way you're looking at me. But listen, but listen, but listen, but listen. It means something when you know somebody's praying for you. You're not where you are because of who you think you are or because of how smart you are, how much education you think you've obtained. I need somebody to know somebody prayed for you. Somebody had you on their mind when you was lost without hope. Somebody was travailing before God in your behalf. Somebody was praying, God save her. God deliver him. God set my children free. God break every shadow, break every chain. And somebody, you, ought to tell, you ought to shout, somebody prayed for me. When they saw the rod of God lifted up from the hands of Moses, they were encouraged and motivated. It encouraged them so much it motivated them so much until they would fight beyond their strength. Even when they became faint, when they became weary, when they became tired, when they looked up and saw Moses waving the rod, which was Israel's banner, they went beyond. And I thank you, Holy Ghost. The devil going to fool around and kill some of y'all because you refuse to look to Jehovah over your banner. Sometimes you got to go beyond your natural strength. Stop complaining and mumbling all about what's wrong with you. I done heard enough what's wrong with you. I want to know what's right with you now. Yeah. Uh, glory be to God. I don't want to hear no more what's wrong with you. Let that be between you and your doctor, you and your attorney, you and your spouse. I want to know not what's wrong with you, but what's right with you. Because when you look to Jehovah Nisa, it ought to cause you to get some strength that goes uh, way beyond your natural strength. God is my refuge and my strength. He's a very present and help in the time of trouble. So when they saw it, it encouraged, it motivated them to fight beyond their strength. They knew that God would give them the victory over the enemy. I want to know, do anybody know that God's going to give you the victory? Oh, but don't play with me here. You ought to act like it then. You ought to act like it. You ought to act like it. In your 
your daily life that you know God's getting ready to give me the victory. You see, the point is this. What point am I making? The point I'm making is simply this, that Moses promised the warriors of Israel that he would be their intercessor. He would be their, their prayer warrior. Everybody needs a prayer warrior because how many of y'all know that we are oftentimes attacked by the enemy of this life? Enemies, 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 such as disease, injury, prejudice, injury, enemies such as hatred, loneliness, emptiness. That's an enemy. If you're sitting up in church feeling lonely, if you're sitting here feeling empty, that's an enemy. What about the enemy of temptation, the enemy of lust and greed, the enemy of arrogance, the enemy of death? Somebody say, preach, pastor. Those are all enemies of our soul. But I got good news for somebody. When enemies attacked us, our only hope is in the Lord. You ought to tell your neighbor, your only hope is in the Lord. I don't know. I don't know who you've been depending upon, but your only hope, your only hope is in the Lord. The lesson was very clear. It was very clear that when the enemy attacks, God's people must go before God and they must prevail in prayer. I need to let somebody know that now that I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep me. If I should die before I wake, please save me a piece of chocolate cake. Listen, that that, that prayer is not going to work, y'all. Mm-hmm, come on, your Hail Marys are not going, not going to work. The devil's going to literally destroy you. We've got to learn learn how to prevail in prayer. We've got to learn how to become intercessors. Can I tell y'all something? You ain't going to pray for nobody else if you don't pray for yourself. You ought to just stop it. Look at your name and say stop it. You ought to just stop it. Honey, I'm praying for you. You ain't praying for nobody because you don't even pray yourself. You don't come to prayer meeting. You don't ever bow your head while Ella Mason is praying. What you talking about? You're going to be an intercessor. You, we've got to learn how to cry out to God. Mm, we got to learn how to seek God continuously. We've got to appeal to God. And then when we cry out to him, we got to learn how to trust him. Don't tell me you praying to God and you still full of doubt and you still full of fear and you still full of anxiety. The devil, oh God, I'm going to preach it now. The devil is a liar. There's no way you can cry out to God and still remain depressed and oppressed and all confused and all mixed up. Somebody ought to shout the devil is a liar. You ain't doing nothing but fooling yourself. You ain't fooling nobody else. We better learn how to seek God. We better cry out to God and then when we cry out to him, we got to trust God, the God I know that when I pray, you hear me when I pray because I stand on your word and you said, call on me, and I will answer. I ain't even got out of the first quarter yet, and I will answer you. I will show you great and 
marvelous things. Well, Moses did, Moses did, Moses did. I hear you over there, the Mason, saying, yeah, I ain't ready yet. Hold on, hold that, because I just want to talk to y'all for a minute. Listen, Moses, he did exactly what he promised that he would do. Now, listen, when you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. I said, when you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, you need to pray for them. Don't just whisper something while you're driving. I mean, you need to travail. You need to go before God. Hallelujah. People are losing their mind. People are crazy. I don't care what y'all say. I got some crazy folk in my family. Come on here. You got some crazy folk in your family. Amen. We need to fall on our faces and we need to travail and be intercessors that God will break every chain, that God will bring that mind back that God would transform that mind by the renewing of his spirit stop calling them crazy we already know they crazy they can't help themselves if they could help themselves they would pull themselves out but these satanic attacks and, and the demonic forces they are real and they get a hold of people and they have no kind of control over themselves well we're not going to get it by just dragging and lagging. We got to go before God in prayer. Moses did exactly what he said he was going to do. He went to the very top of the hill so everybody could see him. Now you got to understand he old but yet he's climbing. Come on here. Don't let age stop you from climbing honey. If you get to 130 years old you be the most spunk 130 that you can possibly be. He goes all the way to the top of the hill. He didn't say I'm praying for him and then you found him at IHOP. Y'all ain't gonna talk. He's at the buffet talking about I'm praying for you cracking crab legs and eating prime ribs. He went to the very top of the hill so that they could see him. And so when he went up there, he went up there to seek God. Well, the reason, the reason why is because it's very critical that we understand the importance of prevailing prayer. In that 11th verse, if you glance down at it, it says that when Moses held up his hand, this is going, I don't want to hear nothing about this tomorrow. When he held up his hand and the rod of God, he said, Israel advanced. Come on here. Well, 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 let me go and tell the story because Sister Gwen declares when I come to the mortuary and when I raise my hand, something good always happened. And so she wanted a new van for the mortuary. So I walked in one day and she said, Rev, raise your hand. And I raised my hand. She got a new van. Then she wanted a brand new hearse. I said, you done lost your mind looking at the budget. You done about a brand new hearse. She said, just be quiet, pastor, and, and, and listen. She said, she said, you ought to meet my pastor. You ought to meet my pastor. Let me put on the table what my pastor said. And so I raised my hand, and guess what? She got a brand new, y'all ain't going to talk back here to me, hearse. When she was getting ready to buy a house, pastor, I need you to raise your hand. 
my God raise my hand she got and so don't y'all mess with me after church listen Moses when he raised his hand hey glory be to God my God I ain't in no hurry I feel like preaching see some of y'all thought some of y'all thought my God when people prevail in prayer and when people have a connection with God be careful you all thought that when Rosa Mary would walk around church and be just shaking her head and you can't hardly understand nothing that she was saying you got to understand she had a relationship with God uh, I said she had a relationship with God. We drove up to church. I ain't in no hurry. Lord, help me here. We drove up to church one day. We was in a little car and she grabbed my hands and the only thing I understood her to say, she shook her head and said, God bless my pastor with a new car. Get him out of this car. And it wasn't but two weeks later, God bless us with a brand new seven passenger Chrysler Plymouth van with car seats built in. One day I come to church and she shook my hand again and she said, God bless us with a new church. I'm tired of this old raggedy church. That's just what she said. And it wasn't long that God blessed us to get this place. And then a few months later she come up to me. God bless my pastor with a million dollars. And I've been telling y'all and I know she wasn't just talking about me personally she talking about the work of God and I want y'all to know we opening up escrow in the morning for several million dollars on that lot across the street don't y'all my God don't you all tell me what God what God can do when you travail when you seek God it's more than giving your 12% come on here God has to honor. He has to honor his. He has to tell your neighbor God's got to honor his word. Moses lifted up his hand and when he lifted up his hand Israel would prevail but then when Moses hand got tired oh God help me and when he lowered his arm and the rod Israel would start becoming defeated by the enemy I don't want y'all to miss that as long as his hand was up they prevailed when his hand went down pat they start losing but thank God two fellas went up there with him and right when his hands started going down they would hold his hands up and then his hands would drop back down and they would hold him. That's why it's important you hold your pastor hand up. You can't be running in late and all that stuff like that. You got to be concerned about the things of God. You got to hold up the hand. Oh my God, they were doing more than praying. I ain't gonna get a chance to finish they were doing more than praying they were physically come here Michael come here come on here come on man come in I need you you're moving too slow my hands is tired now and when his hands were down they would be defeated but they would say come on Moses come on Moses come on Moses come on, Moses. Come on you can make it come on Moses come on come on then they start lifting up his hands When his hands went up, 
The Bible said they would prevail. Now, why did this happen? There's a reason why it happened. Because God needed to touch his people and he needed to teach them a lesson. Everything you go through, God is trying to teach you a lesson. And so instead of mumbling and complaining, start asking God, God, what are you trying to teach me? I dare you. I dare you to just say, God, what are you trying? I just lost my car. But God, what are you trying to teach me? I just lost my house. God, what are you trying to teach me? I just got bad news from my doctor. God, what are you trying to teach me? God was trying to teach them a lesson because they were just beginning their journey to the promised land. All this other stuff they had experienced already. They were just now beginning to experience the beginning to the promised land. And they needed to learn the basic truth of life. And that is that victory is through the Lord and through the Lord alone. And that in the future, somebody say in the future, no matter who the enemy was, the only hope for victory was in the Lord. No one else could carry them victoriously to the promised land. And so nobody but God. Anybody in here had any nobody but God moments? Come on, y'all, help me preach for a few more minutes. I said, anybody had any any nobody but God moments? You ought to tell your neighbor it was nobody but God. Mm, Hallelujah. It wasn't that phone call I made. It was nobody but God. You see, Moses, however, the prayer warrior, something happens here. Something happened. Moses, the prayer warrior, he gets tired. And so he needed a stone to sit upon for rest and support. Every now and then you need to sit down. Every now and then you need to rest. And so the stone supported him. The stone, it held him up. It gave him rest so that he could endure and continue to prevail in prayer. You might have to sit down and pray, but sit down and pray. You may have to lay down and pray. Lay down and pray. Well, what's the significance? What's the significance of this stone that Moses sat down on? Well, you got to remember that the stone is simply a symbol. It's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ as the rock of our lives. How many of you all know that he will will support you. He will give you rest. He will give you security. He will give you a solid foundation. David said, but the Lord is my defense and he is my God. He is the rock of of my refuge. I stop out here to tell y'all that all believers we face times doing our willingness wonderings when we become tired when it look like fatigue hit us with great with great force can I come down your street for a few minutes when deadlines come and when they go and when it seems like the heart 
you work, the further you seem to get behind. When it seems like uh, that our children demand too much time or or that they get in too much trouble. How many of y'all know that will wear you completely out? When it seems like our schedules are out of out of control. When finances run low and we just don't know what we're going to do. That will wear you out. When our personal devotion time with God, when it seems like we just don't have no time, it will wear you out. When a loved one forsakes us or when they die, there is an unbearable pain that's down on, down on the inside. When life is just in endured and not really enjoyed guess what that will wear you completely out when your spouse just don't understand it creates tension and frustration that will wear you completely out but I stop back here to let somebody know here that God knows that we need his support from day to day. He knows that we need him moment by moment. That without God, we could do nothing. And without God, we would we would surely fail. Look at your name and say the first quarter's over now. And the Bible says that the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and he will destroy them don't worry about your enemy because God's going to make your enemies your footstool David said the Lord Lord is my rock and he is my fortress. He is my deliverer and he is my God. He is my strength in whom I will trust. He's my buckler. He's the horn of my salvation. The Lord is he is my high time. And then he turns around and say that thou's given me a shield of your salvation and your right hand have holding me up and thy gentleness have made me great. You ought to look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's getting ready to make you great. You thought you was already something, but that was in your flesh. But I stopped by to let somebody know that God's getting to make you great for the Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation let him be exalted I hear brother David saying that when I became weary and frustrated 
In the time of trouble, he's going to hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of the tabernacle, shall the Lord hide me. Not only is the Lord going to hide me, but he's going to place my feet upon a solid rock. I feel like preaching here now. The same David said he brought me up out of an horrible pit and out of the marry clay. He set my feet upon a rock. He established my going. The enemy in verse number 13, the enemy is now defeated. God gave his people victory over the enemy. The Amalekites, they were all crushed. You've been playing candy crush. You need to let that game go and start crushing all of your enemies. We've got enemies. Evil rulers. Drugs and alcohol the loss of a job, the lack of purpose, the lack of money. Tell your neighbor it's an enemy. Pornography, lust and greed, pride, loneliness and boredom, fear, hopelessness, and helplessness. I don't know who you are, but I somebody to tell you, God's getting ready. Crush it under your feet. Say yes. Yeah. Such enemies, they're extremely dangerous. But tell your neighbor, there's still hope. Tell them there's hope. Tell them don't give up. Don't fall in the towel. Hey. Don't lose your mind. There's still hope. Yeah. Got to go. There's still hope. All of your enemies, no matter how strong and terrible, they will be defeated. We are overcomers. You all to declare that I am an overcomer. I'm not defeated. I'm an overcomer. I shall live and not die. Say yes. Ah, yes. Yes. Yes! Let me close. Let me close. Yes! Moses said, God, you've been good to me. You've been good to me. I'm just wondering, have God been good to anybody? Wave your hand in the air. If you know that God, come on here, God's been 
better man. He's been better to me than I've been to myself. In the midst of what I'm going through, God. Let me close. Let me close. Somebody does. He builds an altar. Names it. Jehovah Nisei. Woo! Glory to God. The naming of the altar. It did two things. It gave gratitude to God. In other words, I didn't do it by myself. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, now may Israel say they'd have swallowed us up by the hand of the enemy. But God, I thank you. Take a moment. Tell God, thank you. Thank you for my life. Thank you for my strength. Come on here. Thank you that it is well. Look at some of y'all, you're poor and pitiful. It is well with my soul. Thank you. I could be dead in my grave. You told the Lord. You told death to behave. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. When I had cancer, you healed me. Thank you. When you had a stroke, God fixed you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me close. 